So uh, we're in Hebrews 11 this morning, and uh, it's been great to hear that you've been going through this this wonderful letter. We did it at the start of this year, actually, as a church. So um, I had to dust off my Hebrews 11 notes, but it was a pleasure to do that. Um, I'm just going to read a few verses from Hebrews 11. I won't try and read the, the whole chapter to you. It's a lengthy one, but I am going to be referring to certain verses as I go through. So if you've got your Bible, you'll, you'll be head down quite a bit to look at the verses to check out what I'm saying. Let me just read a few verses. Verse 1 to start with. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. That's a wonderful little pithy definition of faith there at the beginning of Hebrews 11. And then we, get, we start getting this drumbeat of examples of the faith through Hebrews 11. And around about the middle of the chapter, verse 13, we read this. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things know that they're looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Uh, that's, that's, that chapter, that, that paragraph I just read, sums up what the writer of the Hebrews is seeing in those examples he lays out for them. As he lays out this list of role models. I wonder who your, your role models have been. Let me tell you about uh, two of mine. I've got, I've got a long list of them in my head. But there's two sprung to mind particularly as, as I was preparing uh, for this this week. Uh, and their names were Glyn and Edna. Uh, they're in glory now. They're, they're in heaven. They see Jesus this morning in a way that we don't yet. They, they aren't well known. I mean, it's, it's possible someone in the room knows them, but the, I, they're not well known. They weren't well known. They weren't well off. They didn't have a famous international ministry. So why are they, were they such role models to me? Why have they left a legacy in my life? Because they loved Jesus so palpably so visibly they spoke of him and they, they joyfully lived as if they really believed in another world as if they really believed that there was a heaven so those are just two of the people on my list I wonder who's on your list of role models of people who've left a legacy in your life maybe they're in the, this room I hope you do have role models for your Christian life in this room what is their legacy in your life? What, or to turn the question around, what will yours be? Who are you a role model for? And when you think about who has influenced you and how, who will you influence and how will you influence them? Because as people look back at your life one day, as they look at your life now, they will see failure and sin. I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend you. I mean, I don't know most of you but they will because you're sinners saved by grace and you're not perfect yet. They will see failure and sin, but will they see through it all, shot through it all, and, and above all, when they look at the big picture, will they see faith in Jesus? Because that's the thing that leads, leaves a legacy. That's why this section is here. Uh, as you've been seeing, as you've been going through the, the letter to the Hebrews, they've been tempted to fall away from Jesus, to wander off and trust in other things. And the writer to the Hebrews has had to keep saying to them, no, keep looking to Jesus. Hasn't, he, hasn't you seen that's what he's been saying? Keep looking to Jesus. Jesus is better. 
Jesus is everything. Don't trust in anything else. Keep on having faith in Jesus. And while I'm exhorting you to do that, here's this chapter now with packed full with these examples of faith, this gallery of faith, this hall of fame. And of course, these were famous people for the, for the Jews, weren't they? Enoch and Abel and Abraham and David and Moses, they, they were famous. Why does he use famous names? Not because famous names are our only role models in the Christian life, but because he knew that everybody in the church would know them. The Jewish Christians would know those names. Those who'd been saved from a Gentile background would know those names. So he's, he's talking about famous people for a reason. But the reason they're there is their, their faith in Jesus. And, and I don't know about you, I want to be more like these flawed but faith-filled role models. I want my son, Tom, my daughter, Sophia, to look back one day <laughs> and say he wasn't perfect, but he loved Jesus and he followed Jesus. That's what it boils down to. That's how you leave a legacy in other people's lives. So you can switch off for the rest of the sermon if you like, because that's my message really. Love Jesus. Follow Jesus. Let people see it. And you will have a legacy in people's lives. But I thought I'd better say a bit more than that. So I just wanted to try and bring out a few themes from this chapter. There's loads of them. Let me just give you three. Surprise, surprise. Welsh preacher. There's three of them. Um, here's the first one. These role models, and actually any Christian role model in any generation, these role models lived by the logic of faith in the invisible. Oh, just remember, I've got to do this. Hang on. There you go. So role models, how to leave a legacy. And here's the first thing. Role models live by the logic of faith in the invisible. A logic that's very, very different to the world's logic. The first thing we see about the logic of faith in these verses is that faith sees that the unseen things are the solid things because he says right there at the start of the chapter doesn't he faith is confidence in what we hope for so we haven't got it all yet as christians we have so much in christ but we haven't got it all yet confidence is what we hope that confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see that's what faith is so yes, faith is something that God has given us. He, he's, if you're a Christian, it's because God changed your heart by his Holy Spirit and he implanted the seed of faith in you and your, your life of faith in Jesus began. But it doesn't stop there, does it? That's the beginning of faith. Faith is meant to keep on going. Faith is meant to keep on growing, persevering. Perseverance is the big theme of this letter, isn't it? As it increasingly grasps the reality, as you as a Christian increasingly grasp the reality of heaven the the city look down at verse 10 the city that abraham and the others were looking forward to not not a, a physical city in this world but the new jerusalem to come the better country verse 16 verse 26 the reward they were looking forward to what was promised to them verse 39 so what faith does is all these things that we've been promised for the future in Jesus, faith, ongoing faith, is the thing in my life that makes these things real and tangible. I mean, I'm not the only one, am I? I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up. You're sat in church sometimes on Sunday morning, you're loving the worship, and you're thinking, or so maybe you wake up in the morning and you think it sometimes. It is real, isn't it? This is true. I'm not the only Christian who has doubts, am I? 
Oh, praise God. Okay, so it's not just me. We have those days, and we see this faith isn't 100% unruffled, uninterrupted, psychological certainty all the time. It's, it's a deeper thing than that. I remember talking to a teenager in, in my church just a little while ago who was, uh, was talking about their doubts, talking about their fears, and the key thing she said in the sentence was, I, mean, I know deep down it's, it's all true. And I said, that's faith. That's faith. Persevere in that faith. I love the way the, uh, the King James, we don't use King James often in our church, I bet you don't either, but in the King James, uh, the word confidence is translated substance. That faith is the substance of things hoped for. That this faith we have, this ongoing faith, it, it takes the things of the future, the things of eternity, the things of heaven that we can't see with our physical eyes yet, and it makes them real in our heart, in our, in our, in our gut, in our mind. So my quest, question for you this morning, Christian, is do you only see visible things in your Christian life day by day? Are you only looking at physically visible things? Or are you seeing things that the rest of the world can't see that one day you're going to physically see with your physical eyes, but you're seeing them by faith as you live the life of faith. As I, as I live in the Word, as I spend time in the Bible, which paints a picture of these unseen realities, and as I ask God to make these things real, to, to make the throne in heaven this morning, and the angels, and God on his throne, and Jesus, the Lamb, my Savior, who is there with the nail marks in his hands, as I read about these things and ask God, the Holy Spirit, to make them real to me, that is the substance of things hoped for. That is the confidence of faith. Then I'm living by the logic of faith, and others are seeing the reality of faith in my life. And I, I'm using the word logic for a reason. I, I know you won't find the word logic in the chapter before someone nabs me for that afterwards but i'm using that word logic deliberately because this faith we're talking about this belief in the unseen isn't blind faith it's not irrational i mean faith in jesus is trust isn't it when we can't see these these realities yet physically of course it's trust it's, it's stepping out in faith and trusting in him but that doesn't make our faith irrational faith employs reason a better reason than the world's limited logic, the world's logic that rules out the supernatural. No, faith in Jesus is faith in heart and head. It's trust, but it's not blind trust. You don't abandon all reason when you trust in God. That's the way some people talk about faith sometimes. You leave, you leave your reason at the door, your logic at the door, and you walk into the life of faith, and it's just completely blind. No, it's not. No, it's really not. Just look at Sarah in verse 11 if you've got your Bible in front of you. By faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. It wasn't just, just a heart thing with Sarah. Her brain was engaged. She considered him faithful. She knew from her life up until that point that God was real. She'd heard him speak. She knew he was faithful because he, he'd called them out of Ur of the Chaldeans and led them into the promised land. She knew from the past that God was faithful, and so her logic said, the logic of faith considered him faithful and knew he could follow through in his promises. Or look at Abraham in verse 17 onwards. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Who'd do that? 
He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. What's going on in Abraham's head? The answer is there is something going on in his head. He wasn't just relying on a feeling when he, off, when he went to offer up Isaac. Abraham, verse 19, reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. You see what's going on in Abraham's life of faith there? God had previously done the impossible by giving him Isaac in the first place. Because they were both so old. <laughs> And because Sarah couldn't have kids. God had already done the impossible. So Abraham reasoned God could do the impossible again. He reasoned if he offered up the sacrifice of Isaac, if he killed his own son, that's okay. Because the God of the impossible, who's already done the impossible in my life, can raise him from the dead. If that's what God has got to do. This is the life of faith. It has a reason. It has a logic to it. It's heart and head. And we can do the same. We, we must do the same in the Christian life to persevere in our faith. We can be like Sarah. Where when we've seen God's faithful character and his faithful act in the past, we reason that we can trust all his promises for the future. I can think when I'm struggling, when I'm going through the dark valley, when I'm having those doubts, hang on, I, I, I believe in Jesus because you brought me to faith. And that was miraculous, Lord. You answered this prayer in the past that I, I thought you could never answer. You did that. I remember that. You saved this person I pray for. If you did those things, I can trust in all your promises, including the fact that I will see Jesus one day. I can do what Abraham did. I can think God has done the impossible in the past. He raised me spiritually from the dead. He raised his son Jesus from the dead. And there's Tons of historical evidence that points to that being true. If he did that impossible thing, he can do the seemingly impossible thing of getting me through safe and secure to the end of the race. He will get me home and he will one day raise me physically from the dead. How do I know? He's done it before. He's going to do it again. You see, the, these role models left a legacy. We can leave a legacy by living by heaven's logic, not the world's logic. The world's logic focuses on what you have now. I found this on the web for these role models. I didn't say Siri then, did I? <laughs> She's done that to me before. They, they leave a legacy by le living by heaven's logic, not the world's. And the world's logic says, focus on what you have now. Because this is it. Basically, this 60, 70, 80, 90 years. This is it. Focus on wealth and health and having an insta-ready life. And faith's logic says, no, no, enjoy this life now by focusing on what you have now and forever in Jesus. That's why Paul talked in his epistles about setting your mind on things that are above, not on things on earth. That, that our lives are hidden with Christ in God. That we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. It's not about, oh, this life's miserable but we've got wonderful stuff coming in the future. No, the reason I have abundant life now is that I know what's coming and it cannot be taken away. And that is the logic of faith. That's the first thing we see about faith, that they lived by the logic of faith in the invisible. The, the other thing we say about them and the other thing we need to try and exemplify in our lives of faith is that they lived out the risk of faith, which might sound like it contradicts the first point. There's a logic to faith, but isn't there a huge risk to faith as well that we see these people taking 
as they follow Jesus? When did you last do something crazy? I don't mean, I mean, I'm told regularly by my family that I do stupid things. I don't mean something stupid, I'm like actually stupid. I mean something crazy in the eyes of the world. Something that's nuts and you did it only really because you follow Jesus. I, so I'm not talking about bungee jumping or daft financial decisions. I mean faith crazy. Because these people did things that were, were crazy in the world's eyes. The logic of faith in the invisible things that we have in Jesus makes faith's role models, that's us, brave-hearted risk-takers. Why? Because the logic of faith has given us a a fire in our hearts and, and a freedom to act in a way that just looks bonkers to the world. Look at the examples. Noah, verse 7. Built, um, think about, I mean, most of us know the story too well, don't we? Just think about what he did, the nutter. He built a massive boat on dry land before anybody had seen a drop of rain. Why? Because God told him to. It was logical to him and crazy to the world around him. Look at Abraham, verse 8. And we've been going through this as a church recently in the Bridge Church. He left his home in Haran because he heard God's voice and believed God's voice, and that's it. God said to him, go in that direction, basically. And if I was Abraham, I'd be thinking, where exactly, or what are the GPS coordinates? What's going to be there when I get there? Who's going to be there? How long am I going to be there? How long is it going to take? God gave him none of that. He just said, go in that direction. And I'll, I'll tell you more when you get there. And I would have been like, no way. And Abraham says, yes, Lord, I'll go. That's the risk of faith, isn't it? Moses, verse 24, he chose mistreatment with God's people. That, that's, a, that's a key thing for the, the Hebrews, wasn't it? Because they were scared of persecution. That's why they were tempted to wander away from Jesus. And uh, the writer gives them the example of Moses and says, look at Moses, he suffered mistreatment with God's people and, and disgrace rather than the comforts of Egypt that could have been his. He identified with God's suffering people rather than taking the sensible and safe option. This is what the life of faith looks like. I mean, you, you keep seeing this in all these examples. Risk. I mean, I, I am not a natural risk taker, so I don't like this. But this is what you keep seeing. Rahab. You know, the story of Rahab, the, the, the prostitute. She, she welcomed um, the Israelite spies to Jericho. She was risking death. Why? Because she'd heard about Israel's God, and she believed in Israel's God, And she trusted in Israel's God, so she took this massive risk. Gideon, verse 32, taking on tens of thousands with a few hundred men. Why? Because God had told him to. He took this massive risk. And the question for us as we look at these examples is, are we prepared to obey God and keep on trusting him, even though that makes us fools in the world's eyes? Because we don't follow the world's logic. You see, living by the logic of faith will inevitably appear crazy to anybody who doesn't have faith. So I just ask you again, when was the last time you did something that looked crazy to people around you and you did it only because you're a follower of Jesus? What does it look like for us? I mean, it might be saying in front of people who don't believe the same thing that, yes, we really do believe God created this world. They say, yeah, I believe heaven's real. It's a real place. 
It's my home, and I'm going to live according to heaven's values. Uh, it might look like refraining from worshipping the culture's idols, whatever they might be. Living out a biblical sexual ethic, not the world's sexual ethic. It might mean having integrity in the workplace, when literally nobody else does. And you know you're going to stick out like a sore thumb for it. All these things are risks, aren't they, in our culture, in our world? But living by faith in God's word, trusting that he knows best, is the path of, of ultimate joy, and it's a beautiful, God-pleasing risk. If you look crazy to the world at times, you're probably living by faith. We are role models by taking the risk of following Jesus, you see, wherever he leads, isn't it? Wherever he leads. This is why, I mean, some of my role models in my Christian life, in my church, it's not just, it's not just older people like Glyn and Edna and my mum and dad as they go through these rough waters and keep trusting Jesus. It's, it's, the, it's the school kids, it's the students in school, in uni, in college who are standing for Jesus when everybody in the room thinks they're an idiot for it. And that's the life of faith. Biblical wisdom is the world's wackiness basically. And we need a bit more of that in our Christian life sometimes. I know maybe that's, maybe that's you, it's not me. Not naturally. I need more of this to keep on walking by faith. Thirdly, lastly, uh, they lived by faith to the end. So they lived by the logic of faith in the invisible. They lived the risk of faith. And then these examples, these role models, and we as role models need to realize that we are living by faith till the end. These um, role models God gives us in Hebrews 11, they, they persevered in the faith. They didn't say, role models don't say, I gave my life to Jesus 36 years ago and it was a wonderful experience. I've been saved. They don't stop with that. They say, he saved me 36 years ago and I'm still walking with him and I'm still trusting him today and I'm going to keep on trusting in him and following him every day until I see him face to face through triumph and through tragedy. That, that's what you see with these examples here, isn't it? They, some of them wonderful triumphs, some of them awful tragedies. You've got Gideon named there and Barak and Samson and David, verse 32. They won amazing victories, including over lions, if you look at verse 33. That's obviously Samson mentioned there, isn't it? They quenched flames. So I think that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego without their names being dropped. That's who's been talked about there. Amazing things that God accomplished in their lives. But then you've also got apparent tragedies and hardship. Look at verse 35. Women received back their dead. Amazing miracles. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. So wonderful triumphs some of them went through. Terrible tragedies others went through. With some of them, they experienced both. What's the common denominator? They all kept going in their faith. And they kept trusting Jesus. Coming back to me and my life and my role models, past and present, most of my role models are not prosperous. Most of them have not had easy lives. Their victorious living is shown in a very 
different sort of victory because they have joyfully lived with the long view that they have Jesus and they're going to see Jesus. Despised by the world, considered worthy by heaven. Look at that verse 38. The world was not worthy of them. That's what I think when I think Glyn and Edna. The world wasn't worthy of them. The world didn't realize what the world had. Those people used to come into the coffee shop where Glyn and Edna drank coffee and talked about Jesus pretty much every day, I think. They must have spent a fortune on coffee, actually. Those people who came across Glyn and Edna, some of them must have thought they were nuts. Some of them would have been drawn to their, their joy. People certainly would have seen that they didn't have easy lives, but what they would have seen was trust in Jesus, even if they didn't realize really what it was they were seeing. And they, these role models, they, they believe to the end. True faith keeps going to the end. So it's the faith of the young person and the middle-aged person and the later middle-aged person. Uh, and it's the faith of old age. And it's the faith of, of the deathbed. It keeps going till then. Look at verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. When did he do that? Right at the end of his life. Verse 21, by faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Verse 22, by faith Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. You see that the pattern here? They believed and they kept on believing and they kept on believing and they did it right through to their last day and their last breath. And what I've seen so often in Christ, older Christians who've got to the end of their race, and I want to be like this and I pray it for you, is that what's happening spiritually is as their body is starting to creak and as their body is slowing down and they, they're visiting the doctors in the hospital more and more and more, spiritually speaking, they're speeding up. They don't, they don't stagger over the finish line. They're sprinting over it because their confidence is getting stronger, not weaker. Why is that? Because they're thinking about Jesus more. They're looking to Jesus more. I'm Spoiler alert, you get to chapter 12. That's the picture. You know, Jesus at the end of the race. That's what they're seeing. And because of that, they're speeding up. They're sprinting over the finish line. How are they doing that? How are they managing to do that? Is all this that characterizes faith something that we power up within ourselves? We say, I've got to have faith like this. Well, yes, there's a determination to it. Yes, there's a zeal to it. But no, that's not the answer. What's the answer? It's it's Jesus. It's the Sunday school answer, isn't it? You know, Sunday school, you ask a question, the kids take down and say Jesus, and 99% of the time they're right. That's the case here. It's Jesus. Eyes fixed on Jesus. That's what you're going to see in the next chapter. The wonderfully powerful thing about this list of people is that they were Old Testament believers, and yet they were looking forward to Jesus. Listen to this. This is from John chapter 8. Jesus said, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. In Acts 2, you can read there in, in the preaching at Pentecost that David is, is described as a prophet who saw the resurrection of Jesus. These are Old Testament believers. They kept running by looking at Jesus. Look at how much more we know about Jesus, his life, his death, his cross, his resurrection, his ascension, that he's, he's coming back. How do we do it? We keep looking to Jesus. We are enabled to live by the logic of faith, 
living out the risk of faith and to live by faith to the end because our vision is filled with Jesus. That's how I will leave a legacy. That's how I'm going to be a role model. Looking daily to him with the eyes of faith until these physical eyes one day see him, I do it by looking to him, by talking to him, by talking about him, to the people in my church, to my role models, those who are leaving a legacy for me. I'm talking about Jesus to them all the time. and I'm developing the logic of risk-taking and persevering faith. And as I do that, and as you do that, your legacy will shine for those who will follow on. I don't care how young or old you are this morning. If you live like this, people will see it. And if Jesus doesn't come back first, decades in the future, people will be talking about the faith they saw in your life. And that's one of the things that God used to keep them running the race with endurance. That's one of the things that God used to get them home. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Uh, in your love, you give these, these wonderful examples of faith, these famous people from Scripture who show us what persevering faith looks like. But thank you too, Lord, that it's not just the famous people, that those of us who believe in Jesus in this room, I'm, I'm, I trust that we can all say to some degree that there are Christians we look to, Christians we have known and we know now who are such role models to us by living by faith in this way because their eyes were fixed on Jesus. Help us to be the same, Lord. Lord, we long in glory one day to hear that there are people there who believed in Jesus by your grace, but that one of the things that was used in their life was, was us as they looked to us and saw the love of Jesus and love for Jesus. Oh, Lord, Holy Spirit, please make us more like this. Make me more like this for your glory and praise and for the building up of your church. Amen.